Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Hi, I'm Debbie Hawthorne. I'm a pharmacist um, up in northeast Victoria. I um, have many hats. I am a consultant pharmacist, a GP pharmacist. Um, I'm an advocate. I run um, the Facebook group um, Consultant Pharmacists of Australia. I'm also uh, a new member of the PSA Victorian um, branch committee um, and I also work in telehealth um, with Beyond Pain, with Farm Online, um, also doing chemical restraint consultations. And I do a little bit of research as well as an um, uh, adjunct senior lecturer at University of Western Australia. Um, and I dabble a little bit in education too. All of these views are my own. <laughs> so the previous government announced funding for embedded pharmacists in aged care. Can you talk about how this came about, including the Aged Care Royal Commission? Uh, yes, yeah, so I wasn't involved as much, um, but pretty much um, what I get from um, the Commission is that people living in aged care facilities more, need more access, more regular access um, to clinical pharmacy services, which I, I'm in complete agreement with. Um, you know, our current system of RMMRs or residential medication management reviews um, can be fairly ad hoc. Um, we have some incredible RMR pharmacists, don't get me wrong. I have many of them are my mentors and they're wonderful, um, but the funding is such that their role is limited. Um, uh, the, the, the rules, the PPA rules around what they can provide is pretty much, you know, one hour RMR every 12 to 24 months, unless something goes wrong. Um, there's lots of people that go into aged care facilities who might never see a pharmacist because uh, their stay there might be quite short. Um, we have pretty much there is a need for pharmacists, which we know. <laughs> um, and so from that, um, we've now got this funding um, to have pharmacists embedded uh, in aged care facilities. Um, so the funding is changing all the time, but as it currently stands, um, uh, one pharmacist, one full-time pharmacist will be employed per 250 beds in an aged care facility. So what that means is, um, let's say an aged care facility um, has 50 or less beds, they will get a funding to have a pharmacist one day a week. Um, so if they've got 10, they'll get one day a week. If they've got 40, they'll get one day a week. Um, yeah, so it's all uh, dependent on, on the number of beds and, and um, how much um, they will get. Uh, I'm excited about the role. Um, there is so much that can be done um, at a systems level, um, which we sort of had the QUM um, funding, but that's, again, happens sporadically in a lot of homes and um, a meeting with the nursing, the aged care staff might only happen, you know, once every two to three months um, and not much can be really done, you know. We need more time and this is what this funding is. It's giving us more time.
Minister Butler has announced that this funding will now go through community pharmacy. How does this change the way that the services could be or will be delivered? Well, I guess, you know, we don't know too, too much. What I am hoping he is saying is that the funding will go through PPA, which I'm all for. Um, I am very aware of some incredible community pharmacists who already provide um, amazing services to aged care facilities. And I think that these types of pharmacies are, are well set up um, to be able to take on the funding um, that um, the minister announced. What I worry about is um, not all community pharmacies are going to have the capacity to be able to take out one of their community pharmacists a day a week or depending on how many um, beds their home has and remove them from the community pharmacy who we know are already overworked, overstretched, over everything um, and put them into an aged care facility. And yes, while I see the benefit of these um, uh, strengthening of roles between um, the pharmacist and the aged care um, and the community pharmacist, I don't think that it is suited to every single community pharmacy. And, and I think there needs to be movement, just like the RMMR. So, um, uh, you know, it used to, RMMRs, HMRs, all, all that type of thing, always used to go through the community pharmacy. And then it was expanded to be um, sole providers. And I think that it will have to be a sort of similar model. Um, well, I'm hopeful, because otherwise I just don't see an uptake um, of what we need, of what I would like to see. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I'm, I guess I, I'm an advocate for um, the funding to go through PPA um, and to have some flexibility depending on the home and their needs and the community pharmacy and their needs as well. Thank you. Um, I guess what are your thoughts about the ongoing lack of consultation with pharmacists and pharmacy groups around aged care and sick? Yes. Uh, it's, it's tough, you know, um, and I guess this probably happens in, in every industry, but it feels like pharmacy is the focus of the government making changes without telling us. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if that's a legacy because we've been sort of yes people. And we are yes people. We like to please. We like to, to improve patient health outcomes. We like to be part of the team. We like to say yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but perhaps we've said yes for too long. You know, maybe maybe it's a change. Um, you know, the, the Pharmacy Guild is doing some amazing advocacy work, as is PSA. Um, and I think that while these issues uh, not great. Um, I think it's really seeing our peak bodies come out on their own and being able to to get more involved and to have more of a say. And hopefully what we've all learnt from what's happening is maybe the government shouldn't decide things without us in future because there will be a backlash. What are your views about what all of this means for accredited pharmacists and residents in the short and long term? I think... <sighs> That's a good question. I do think about this a lot. <laughs> uh, in the short term, there is going to be lots of confusion. There's going to be lots of need for support for pharmacists, for um, aged care facilities. And I think we need to ensure that 
these incredible clinicians who have been performing RMMRs for, you know, countless years, or even people like myself who've only been doing it for a few years. I think that we need to make the best use of these resources. I think that we need to engage these people um, and, you know, set up some sort of mentoring system and community of practice, which I love, um, to help support um, this role. Because without support, and that's what I've realised through my career path, without support, everything is harder. And yes, we probably are more likely to fail, but the more support systems we have set up and the more we can rely on these incredible resources, which are accredited pharmacists, the greater success I think this role will have. I understand the significant work that has gone into describing the embedded pharmacist model from departmental consultations to large grants through the MRFF. Is this effort going to go to waste? Yeah, so I've been involved in a few MRFF grants and it's it's really it's really tricky for them. But again, it's really shown these incredible researchers that have pivoted these MRFFs. You know, they've they've had these um they all put in these proposals based on what we thought was going to happen. Um, and obviously things have changed and um they're they're pivoting themselves and and um and not changing their grants, but um, uh, making this grant money useful um, in being able to support and also, um, I guess, record the happenings, um, collect the data uh, and be able to show, which I am 100% certain that pharmacists embedded in aged care will improve health outcomes. And what do you think are some of the issues that pharmacists will have um, going forward arising from these announcements? Well, I think with the rapidly changing um, announcements in terms of funding, in terms of provision of services, um, uh, there will be lots of confusion and um, there will be potential risk of misuse of funds, which could be incidental. It could be... Um, because pharmacies are losing out in a lot of other areas. Um, but I think we need to all band together, regardless of our background, regardless of our expertise, and really try and make sure that this, these funds are put to good use. And we can only do that by working together, using the funds appropriately, and trying our best to sort of um, stay on top of current affairs, the changing nature of the role, um, and also, you know, join these community practices that, that will be up and coming. Um, so one of the um, MRFF grants um, run by um, Dr Amy Page and um, Dr Kenneth Lee is also involved, um, is to create a community of practice for pharmacists going into aged care facilities because it, I think the numbers and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not great with numbers, sorry, I'm definitely not a researcher like that. <laughs> uh, I think there's something like 800 jobs, um, 800 positions that will need to be filled in aged care facilities around Australia for pharmacists working. In those positions, we don't have... 800 RMMR pharmacists. We have, I think there's something like 3,000 accredited pharmacists or approximately 3,000. Not all of them would be RMMR pharmacists um, and not all of them will want to work in aged care um, on-site roles because 
for various reasons it might not suit them or um, you know they might be retiring or, or all, the, all those sort of you know normal everyday type things um, so I think that uh, we're going to have a lot of really fresh faces, which is exciting, and, and it makes pharmacy exciting. I love that aged care is exciting for pharmacists. Like, <laughs> it's wonderful um, to think that that's kind of like a sexy industry to get into. It's so cool. Um, but we will have a lot of fresh faces who will need a lot of support, and that's why it's really important to join these community practices, which, you know, this particular MRFF grant of um, Amy's is um, trying to encourage, which will be, I think, facilitated by people. PSA and SHPA and a um, few other great organisations. So um, staying connected and supported is key. <laughs> Thank you. And what is your advice for pharmacists about how they can prepare for this aged care funding? Yeah, um, that is a great question, especially because um, all the education um, and upskilling programs are, are currently being finalised to be under review um, by um, APC. Um, so without knowing the ins and outs of what, what the programs are going to be, yes, you will need to upskill. You will need to complete um, a program with various providers. I've been a little bit involved with the one with PSA um, and it's going to be a great program. Um, and, I, and I know that SHPA will have their offerings um, and hopefully there will be other organisations too. Um, so it's really important to get on board and to get that upskilling as soon as possible. Um, I think that, again, um, talking to pharmacists who are RMMR pharmacists who are already embedded in aged care um, will set you up really, really well. Um, and uh, while I don't know exactly how this can happen, it's all very um, high-level sort of stuff, being able to shadow a pharmacist working in the industry you want to get into in aged care um, would be absolutely wonderful. Like um, through my embedded role in the GP clinic, you know, I shadowed some of the nurses, which, you know, it's a little bit different. Um, I tried to get as much as I could from them, but I had to go and do my own learning on top of that. So I think perhaps being able to shadow a pharmacist already working in that space would be absolutely wonderful. Um, but, yeah, uh, Upskilling, it's where it's at. <laughs> and what are your views about what this all means for patients in the short term and the long term? Look, short term, there'll be a lot of confusion, like there always is with any new change of practice. Um, I think that our advocacy bodies need to be really engaged with um, these providers and aged care facilities to really um, show what we can do. Um, we, 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 of course, as pharmacists on the ground, need to show what we can do too. But, you know, things are always stronger when they come from a representative body. Um, and I'm sure that they're all working on it. Uh, I think um, that there'll be lots of excitement, but also lots of anxiety, I think, which there is around any new role. And that, that's totally fine and totally normal. Um, but I'd like to encourage pharmacists who want to get into this role to just go for it. You know, um, you, your skills will develop over time if you're not comfortable. Your, um, what you can provide to aged care facilities will develop over time and it will be dependent on what the services provide because no two 
facilities are the same and so we can't expect that. Um, I think in the long term, I think it'd be wonderful for patients. Um, you know, currently we have clinicians such as GPs in most facilities that I'm aware of sort of going in quite ad hoc, maybe once a week and, you know, you've got to look into see the GP or it could be an after hours phone call from the nurse to the GP, but having a pharmacist there for a regular period of time uh, to not only spend time with the patients, but to also spend time um, with the nurses to um, the other staff, uh, you know, being part of case conferences with the GPs and registered nurses and, um, you know, helping uh, with the rounds and just, um, you know, medicines and medication in aged care is different to medication in a 40-year-old, which is different to medication um, for our children. And we're going to need experts in this field. And I think that we can do it. I think that pharmacists have the background to be able to provide an amazing service. And I think our patients are only going to benefit for it. Thank you. And um, did you have any other thoughts on the aged care funding through community pharmacy? Yeah, look, I guess, um, one thing I want to say is, um, you know, that well, in my area, there's, we don't have any huge homes, and I assume it, it's similar in a lot of areas around Australia. And so you don't have to be just an aged care pharmacist. You can be a hospital and aged care pharmacist. You can be a community pharmacist and aged care pharmacist. You can be a consultant pharmacist and aged care pharmacist. And I think by having different hats, I think um, it will help with your own engagement, and I think you will enjoy the role. So don't be worried if you think, oh, I'm a community pharmacist, I can't do that, or I'm a hospital pharmacist, I can't do that. Yes, you can. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I guess the changes that have been announced by government um, have some particular um, challenges for rural and remote pharmacies as well. I thought I'd um, ask you about your thoughts about the impact on those specific communities. Yeah, certainly. Which which change would you like to speak about first? Oh, come on. <laughs> You're right. You can you can pick your favourite first. Um, <laughs> if you want to talk about 60 day and then aged care, but yeah, just to get a perspective on how it'll specifically affect those communities would be great. Pre-COVID, through COVID, currently we have a lack of pharmacists. We have a lack of healthcare providers in rural, regional communities. I I can't walk into a pharmacy, be it hospital, community pharmacy, doesn't matter what it is, without being offered a job. I haven't worked in community pharmacy in like six years. You don't want me in a community pharmacy. I, I wouldn't even know how to use the computers. You know what I mean? Uh, but we are just so desperate for knowledgeable individuals. Um, so, Again, while I'm a huge advocate for aged care pharmacists, it is going to be tricky to find feet on the ground to fill those roles. Um, in my head, I'd love to be able to do it, but do I have an extra two days a week? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to get those days of the week. Um, and uh, it's tough. It's, it's wonderful being wanted, but it's also tough knowing that there are these roles 
that we want to do but we just don't have time to do and we want others to move to the area and and fill them because rural pharmacy is it's wonderful it's I love it I've worked in the city I've worked regionally it's it's great you know the community is so grateful um, for our presence and they rely on us so much Um, and you know I don't want to take pharmacists out of community or out of hospital um, to put them in these other areas if it means that hospital community are missing out I don't know what the answer is except that anyone listening should move to the country (laughs) Um, but um, I'm also hopeful that by having these roles, um, perhaps it will make rural pharmacy more attractive because potentially, you know, people thought, oh, I can only work rurally if I'm a community or hospital pharmacist and I'm not, I don't know if I really gel, you know. Um, but now perhaps with these roles, perhaps it will attract people to these areas. You know, you've got to put your positive hat on. Um, what the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I am hopeful there will be perhaps room for more remuneration um, for pharmacists working in aged care, say. Like I, I know with um, the 60-day dispensing impact, there's been a slight increase um, to the funding community pharmacists are given in rural areas nothing not enough to cover um, what we foresee the losses are going to be by by any means um uh, it needs to be more we know that uh, but i'm also hopeful that there will be some sort of provision for pharmacists working in aged care as well in rural settings um because I think at the moment with aged care on-site roles, I think the funding they've suggested, again, everything's changing, this is not set in stone, is um, a grade two pharmacist, which my understanding in Victoria is about $50 an hour, which is quite on the lower side for a rural pharmacist wage. So that's another issue. How are we going to get people into aged care um, on-site funded positions if they're taking a, a pay cut and if there's no room for improving remuneration, if that's if it's just set and forget. Um, you know, that that's a big issue. <laughs> uh, I'm hopeful because I am a positive person, in case you haven't realised from this interaction, <laughs> um, that government and other providers will realise with time that there needs to be movement in funds for aged care pharmacists on site um, as well as funding for rural pharmacies. Um, And I guess, you know, making that segue into the impact of 60-day dispensing on rural pharmacies is it's going to be awful. It's going to hit pharmacies really hard um i i really hope it doesn't come to pharmacies shutting i really hope it doesn't come to pharmacists losing their jobs i think though that perhaps the government might need to see that sort of impact before they do anything about it because it doesn't feel like they're listening um, to the issues that are being presented to them, so to all the modelling that our peak bodies are doing. 
Um, and I think that that will be a real burden for rural communities. If, if their local pharmacy shuts, where are they going to go? They can't get into a doctor for four to eight weeks. You know, we have, we have because, of, because the burden of getting into a GP at the moment is so high. We have so many of my patients travel 100 kilometres one way to see a GP every couple of weeks. We're doing a 200k round trip. The price of petrol is ridiculous. You know, the, the, the price of living costs is ridiculous. And then you're going to potentially add in, you know, the closing down of your local pharmacy. <laughs> what are these people supposed to do? I, I just, I'm worried. I'm, I'm hopeful there will be changes, you know, uh, over the next six to 12 months. I really hope it doesn't come down to loss of jobs or, or closures, but I think there might be if things stay the way they are, as the government proposes. I guess I'd ask what your sentiments are for pharmacists um, while they're going through all of this time of confusion and all of this um, time of uh, trying to prepare for the unknown. Um, what sentiments do you have for pharmacists at this time? Stay positive. Um, while, I've, you know, I have spoken a lot about doom and gloom of, of pharmacies closing, of loss of income, it is also an opportunity. It is an opportunity to improve our services, to start charging for our services. You know, you have these people coming in to do their blood pressure checks. Yes, sure, it only takes, you know, five-minute conversation. Uh, you're building up rapport. You're, you're doing all these other things, which I'm sure you could see turning into a, a, you know, future monetary gain. But you don't have to. You need to start charging. You need to start showing our worth because we found that, um, you know, in the olden days, <laughs> when um, people uh, who were on the safety net got their medications for free, we found that people were stockpiling and hoarding because they didn't see the value of things because they didn't have a dollar attached to it. You are worth it. You need to start charging. You need to start showing that your services that you are providing are worth worth. Your time is valuable. Um, you know, you wouldn't expect someone to go into the GP clinic and get their um, blood pressure monitored by the nurse or GP and not um, either charge Medicare or, you know, charge and what is it, average average GP visits, like $80 or, or something like that. Um, and and people are perhaps not happy to pay, but it's expected that they, they will. You know, charging $5 for a blood pressure check is fine. Making it into this wonderful service where, okay, I'll see you next Monday at 9 o'clock and we'll set you up with a whole online thing and you can track it on your watch and your phone and I've got it in the computer and turning it into something amazing. Um, it will be hard, but we need to look at every change as an opportunity because pharmacists, are needed, pharmacists are valuable, and we can do so much for our patients and our communities. Thank you. Is there anything you want to share that I haven't asked you? Um, so some people know this about me, but I left pharmacy. I became a librarian. I was done with pharmacy. It's like, nah, I was a community pharmacist. I became a pharmacy manager. I did a business degree, and then I thought, oh, I don't actually really want to own a pharmacy. I don't think that's in my career trajectory what do I do now I've got to the top what so I went and studied a 
um, was a grad certificate in information management and I became a librarian at the science and engineering department at Melbourne University because I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was so cool. A pharmacist who was a librarian, I've never heard of that. Anyway, they loved it, right? It was an amazing job. We ended up, you know, I, I was I was very happy there. Um, uh, there's a reason why librarians are quite often, you know, old and dotteries because they're amazing jobs and you stay in it till you die. Like, I get it. Um, but... I ended up moving to the country, moving away from from um, from Melbourne Uni, and and getting more involved in pharmacy and advocacy, and my whole path changed. And it's and it's interesting thinking back. Um, you know, I was I was very dis I was obviously disengaged. I um I had no idea what to do. But you know what I didn't do is I didn't ask. I didn't I didn't seek help. I didn't I didn't go to my colleagues or my peers or my mentors and ask. You know, I'm stuck. Should I change? Um, and I sort of think back, you know, a lot of these things that I've accomplished and since 2020, you know, the GP pharmacist thing, the the Facebook um, group, you know, some some national recognition, um, <laughs> getting on the PSA branch committee, all these wonderful things that have happened have only happened in the last three years. And that's because I was disengaged before that because I, I didn't know where I was going. And I sort of... I get irritated with myself thinking that if I'd asked for help sooner, what could I have accomplished? You know, this has all happened in three years. What could have what what could I have accomplished if I if I started on this path ten years ago? Uh, we'll never know. But I guess what what I'm trying to say is, um, you know, we 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 all come to points in our career, um, regardless of how passionate we are and how much we love helping people, where we don't know what to do next and I just I want I want to get the point across that we don't have to change careers there is so much that we can do in pharmacy there's so much available to us as pharmacists with our, with our background um we have potential you know it's incredible what we can accomplish um as pharmacists and and you know no education is wasted either I'm very happy with that library background because now I've sort of helped me get a segue into to research and a few other um, bits and pieces. But, um, yeah, just I know it's a trying time. We're all under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress in regardless of your background, um, regardless of what sort of pharmacist you call yourself, um, community or hospital, consultant. Um, but staying engaged getting involved with your um, representative bodies is really important, um, upskilling and just reaching out for help and being curious. Cool. All right, that's it. That's my last. <laughs> Thank you. That was amazing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP podcast and send us a message.